Yeah, man. <laughs> let's kill that bass head. Alright, let's do this. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pockets flow. It's me and Tony on the mics, we gotta let you know. Of current events, little gaming, sprinkling some entertainment. We stay humble, but our mom still thinks we're famous. Turn up the bass and baby, maybe let that magic flow. Our spoken word is all the things you really wanna know. Having a good time on the show, T Bows and Maddie G. Tune in and hit subscribe and join us on the FAP. Welcome everybody to the Freaking Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bose, and of course, sitting next to me is the coffee and my cream, Matty G. How are you doing today, Matty? <laughs> oh, not too bad. You almost said cod pass. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, those things happen occasionally. You know, actually, it's really funny. It wasn't until I actually said it out loud that I realized how gross that actually sounded. So, uh, <laughs> what would it be? Worry like, about this. Some type of right? fish paste? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not too bad oh, other awesome. than uh, the Amber Alert that we got today. Did you get it too? Yeah, it's nice to see that we're all back into lockdown, but. Uh, you know, uh, not nearly as bad as Quebec, so uh, that's, that's all right. We don't, we don't have curfew and uh, the military roaming the streets yet to, to keep us all in. But what so, we do have is point. some very funny news surrounding Quebec. Yes. <laughs> and curfew. <laughs> a little bit today. It's true, it's true. Uh, so today on the show, we have musician, composer, writer, actress, and inductee to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, the sensational Kathy Valentine. Kathy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. I can't thank you enough for uh, taking a little time out of your day to be on the show. Hey, that um, your theme music is awesome. Who did that? Uh, yours truly in the middle there, Maddie G. <laughs> I love it. I, that's really cool. Oh, thank I was, you. I was like so grooving the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I actually laid down the track. Um, I just did a little bit of beatboxing and then uh, did some did some loops and some moving around, and then I I decided to wrap the intro. So you got a good vibe on it. Really good. <laughs> well, thank you. you. You should go back to one of our uh, previous episodes where we actually had Maddie G as our feature. He actually does a lot of music uh, that he's uh, quite humble about, but uh, he's uh, he's really good. Music. All right. Uh, now I got something to check out when I'm trying to avoid everything else I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we have a lot of time for that lately. That's right. <laughs> for sure. Maddie, before uh, we get too further uh, into things with Kathy, how about uh, we jump into the news? Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, don't forget <laughs> to jump in at any point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you have comments or, or anything to contribute, uh, jump in. But uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> these are these ones are, are pretty good today. These are pretty good today. So all right. So the article reads: Holy crap! A new Toronto company allows you to send cow poop to your friends as a gag. So it's uh, they're advertising it as a glitter bomb, but stinkier. Two Toronto University students have launched a company that allows people to send cow poop in the mail. Uh, but they say that the gag is a is a it's a gag gift uh, for friends, not enemies. Uh, their company is called Battle Shits. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, one of the students who said they prefer to stay anonymous said the pair wanted to come up with a business uh, that derives from its shock and moral stance. 
they have a connection to a Caledon farm uh, that supplies them with their fresh manure. Uh, quote, we had been talking with one of our friends that heard about this business that sells poop online and ships it. Uh, we thought it was hilarious that people were buying this in droves for $40 a pop. So the, the, the two guys decided to sell sachets for $420. Uh, and for an extra $0.50, cents, you can customize a personal tag to your, uh, to your friend. So they actually even follow up with the ship, ship E to ask if they want to hit back the shipper. So it's kind of an interesting, uh, I guess an added feature, uh, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and they're advertising. It's like, oh, well, well, people are sending glitter bombs, but you have to clean them up and it takes hours. You could just put this in your garden and grow some vegetables. <laughs> so interesting concept. Well, I mean, you know, I feel like when they say this is for friends and not enemies, what what friend sends your your friend a pile of shit? Like that that's you something I would do to my friend. In the mail, we're cool. gonna have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you might be the only person I would actually think that that would be suitable for sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I got gardens too, so yeah. Now, if they wanted to one up that, if they actually made it like a proper glitter bomb that when you open it, it actually explodes, that would be more hilarious. Written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I would imagine. So it's uh, let's hope it's not sitting on the deck or the front porch in the sun too long. That's because uh, that would still be just as bad of a surprise. What about you, Kathy? You gonna send some shit to somebody? No, but I just my my thoughts are just going a mile a minute about this. Number one, this guy that has the cow or the cows that are supplying. I mean, what a what a like a his day is made. Like some guy is going to come shovel the cow poop and pay him probably. He gets something. It's like I mean, I wonder if they want to do that with my dog. I've got some dog poop. So. <laughs> iteration maybe they could branch yeah. in their uh animal selection yeah i got yeah. some animals sure. that, they right. have that they have that going on yeah yeah COVID has given people way too much time what do you tell your friend like when they get it you're like no you're my friend you know, I only sell, I only send it to my friends. So I just, I don't know. You're the shit, man. <laughs> I guess you say anything and people will believe it if you say it. So there you go. Right. <laughs> what do you got for us, Tom? Oh, all right. So. Let's, uh, I, you know what, sometimes I feel like my articles, although uh, somewhat uh, amusing, are not always on the top of the hilarious list. Uh, that one definitely might beat a lot of mine today. Uh, however, I do have a, a few things. Um, one of them was a little bit shocking, actually. Uh, I don't know uh, how uh, you are with uh, snakes. I, I know snakes are not very popular in uh, my household, and it looks like Kathy's not a big fan of them. <laughs> so, uh, and if it wasn't enough, that uh, snakes can slither, sidewind, or swim on top of water, jump, or glide between trees, scientists yeah. have discovered a new way of them to get to you by yeah. climbing things like a lasso. No. So these scientists were, or researchers in Colorado State University uh, were beside themselves when 
they were basically trying to create a uh, um, a stand to hold uh, Guatemalan birds, or sorry, birds from Guam that, of course, has had a huge problem predators getting to them. Uh, and one of them, uh, one of those predators, of course, was the um, the brown tree snake that, of course, is native to Australia. And uh, they were unfortunately introduced over into Guam in the, the 40s and 50s, and uh, it's been a big problem. So they've been really trying to figure out how to uh, to take care of a lot of these endangered birds. So uh, they've created like a, a big pillar, a column, and uh, it's actually kept out a lot of predators until one time they were watching on the cameras uh, in one area that was having issues where a snake actually wrapped itself around the pole like a lasso and then crawled using its own body to shimmy up the pole and crawling at the same time so pretty much similar to how like a lumberjack would go up using that rope and crawl up the the thing and uh, they ended up having to watch the the video for like four times because they just couldn't believe this was happening so um nothing's safe anymore like i i just couldn't <laughs> believe when i saw that i'm just like so you snakes are pretty much like the, the ultimate battle unit now <laughs> <laughs> Everything is evolving except for humans. <laughs> We're quite right? the opposite. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was I was both frightened and amused when I read that article. So that's uh, that's I mean I not I'm not as bad with snakes. Uh, I mean when insects start doing something similar, uh, you know, like I I think all uh, snakes really have to figure out is how to work a doorknob now, and then uh, I'm out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So. Thanks. I don't know. You know how people tell you, oh, it feels just like your arm. Have you ever heard that one with the snake? Like, touch it. It feels like your arm. And I'm like, yeah. I don't care. I'm not touching <laughs> it. I'm not touching <laughs> it. Either, weirdo. You're right. <laughs> I've never even touched a snake, and I've had many opportunities, but I just, I don't know. They freak me out. Me out. And I, I, I feel like when someone says someone says touch a snake, it, it makes me feel like it's uh, like a bad joke, like pull my finger, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. my wife is like literally petrified. So one time uh, I've known this forever, and one time we were doing some workout in the garden, and there was a gardener snake, and so I <laughs> grabbed it and threw it over, and she was so scared, she she froze and didn't even move, like she couldn't move. She was trying to scream and couldn't scream. Oh wow! <laughs> and that was the last time I did that because I think I gave her PTSD. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Ashley might be the the one person in the world who's got the either the most forgiving heart or the biggest sense of humor, having to put up with you twenty four seven. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. She's a real prankster. That one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, Maddie. What else you got? Okay, this one's really funny. So, okay. So the article says a Danish kids show debuts character with a giant penis on purpose. So, oh right. Tell you more, okay. right? So a Go Danish on. broadcasting corporation has penciled in a new animated series starring a character with a ridiculously long penis. The broadcaster said that the series aimed at kids age four to eight years old focuses on John Dillermond, the man with the world's long longest dong who overcomes hardships using his member. In fact, his manhood can perform rescue operations, create murals, hoist flags, and even deviously snatch ice cream cones from kids' hands. 
Yeah, and this is oh, airing no. on television. No. And viewers are both offended and intrigued. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> I, I there's a picture and it's like it the guy looks like fat Waldo with a long dong. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Oh, no. <laughs> uh so yeah, anyways, and it's and it's funny because oh, it's like his member wears like also wears the Waldo uniform. <laughs> so where's red and white stripes? So a clinical psychologist weighs in who works with families and children and said that genitals are just a playful way to get a point across the kids and audiences are overthinking things. John Dillerman talks to children and shares their way of thinking and kids do find genitals pretty funny. Uh, the show depicts a man who's impulsive and not always in control, which relates to children. Um, but crucially, Dillerman always makes it right. He takes personality for his actions, uh, which helps teach kids to do the same. So. I don't know if that's just like a justification or she works for the network or <laughs> what that is, but it's weird. Uh, <laughs> probably bring that, that childhood point across without using a large penis, uh, <laughs> especially when children are involved. Like I, I feel like there's, this is all kinds of lawsuits waiting to happen. Oh my gosh, dude. Look, you gotta I look up the pictures. And I think like, I, I have this thing, I call it behind the scenes itis. Like anything I see or hear about, I, I go back and think behind it. And I, so with this, I just imagine someone coming in and pitching this idea and everybody like going, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> like nobody in the said, uh, Nobody stepped up and said sexual harassment suit. I know, like multiple people were like, "This is this is a great idea." <laughs> I think it's time to have that network looked at. Uh, uh, yeah, jeez, right? I can now. I'm gonna look at that. I can't even imagine. Like, does it show in his pants? Or does he you gotta that? see, yeah, yeah. Tony, can you find the? Do you want me to send you the picture? Yeah, you can. Uh, you can try to bring that up. Actually, I think you might even be able to screen share if you at the bottom of it, don't you? I don't have it. No. You don't oh, have well. that ability. Okay. Oh wow. Well. Like, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. We'll, animated. We'll, we'll post up on. Yeah, we'll we'll post it up on our uh, on our Facebook page for everybody to look at. Uh, as this one will, and we'll just randomly put it up. And we won't even put an explanation that way. If they haven't listened to this live episode, they're not going to know what's going on. <laughs> I posted the link in private chat. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, I see here. Yeah. Nope. Nope. That's actually someone uh, saying hi. <laughs> uh, there it is. <laughs> oh. Oh no. Okay. Uh, let me. Oh, jeez. Okay. We'll we'll share this moment. Oof. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, let let me know when uh, when everybody gets to see this. Can, can anybody see that? No, it's not posting. Oh, okay. It's, it's showing. It's showing up on my side, but uh, all right, we'll share it later. Anyways, it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. That's. Oh my goodness. That's and that's ridiculous because I mean it, it actually ties into our snake conversation earlier. That is like a boa constrictor. That's not even like. <laughs> that, that is not like 
that's not even like abnormally long that's freakishly long <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, oh, okay what, what's um, your other one right along you top that yeah. or? <laughs> <sighs> okay yeah no i cannot top that uh i actually saw a uh, really funny article uh that was um it's actually a real opportunity for people and uh, this one is the a company is looking for someone to binge watch Netflix and eat pizza. Uh, so everybody who's looking for a really interesting job in this particular time, when you've got nothing to do but binge watch Netflix, um, and a, a lucrative job offer opened up uh, with the opportunity being paid for watching Netflix while eating pizza. Uh, Bonus Finder, an American website dedicated to reviewing and offering deals uh, for legal gambling, had set its sights on the lookout for a professional binge watcher. Um, following the rocky start to 2021 and the lockdown coming back, the team at Bonus Finder wanted to spread some cheer by opening a new role where you'd be paid to watch Netflix and eat takeout pizza. Uh, so they explain this. They explain this all on the Bonus Finder website. Uh, what it is is, uh, of course, National Pizza Day is uh, on its way at uh, February 9th, and I swear they've got a, a national day for everything. Uh, but one lucky job seeker will be paid $500 to kick back with some pizza and watch three Netflix shows. Uh, the selected candidate will be required to review each of the series uh, for story, plot lines, uh, uh, you know, acting quality, and, um, you know, like how this series ended, uh, ends and all that kind of stuff. And uh, at the same time, they will have to rate the takeout pizza that is sent to them uh, based on texture, value, for money, and so on. So uh, I guess if you were super bored and a U.S. citizen, you could watch Netflix, eat pizza, and make 500 bucks. That sounds like a sweet deal. Wow. Yeah. Right? How come we never get this cool crap up in Canada? I know. Right? Probably afraid everything would freeze up here anyway. So. We get all you can eat ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Snow cones. <laughs> they just send a bottle of syrup and you have to go in your backyard. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, uh, of course, we had a, a unified uh, uh, article to quickly talk to people about. Maddie, how about you tell that one? Because I actually did find a very quick 30-second thing I have to show people. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So right now, there's a curfew in Quebec. So um, you have to be in before 8 o'clock in your home. And the only exceptions are dog walkers and exercisers, right? Yes. So uh, this couple, this this wife put a, her, her husband on a leash and started walking him around the neighborhood to try and get into a loophole of the curfew. And they both got fined $1,500 <laughs> for stupidity. Uh, <laughs> I just, I saw the article and I was like, it's short, but it's so good. You know, think outside of the box, sure, uh, but no, that's that's just ridiculous. You can't get away with that. We, we, it, I mean, how bad are things down there, Kathy? Well, it's really, I mean, I'm in Texas. It's beautiful out here. Um, you know, people walk their actual dogs, not their husbands. At least they do that inside <laughs> if it happens. Um, but yeah, it's good. We did have snow in, in Austin, Texas. We had snow two days ago, and now it's like seventy degrees. So it's it's black. It's just one day it's freezing, and it looks like you know 
Canada, I guess. And the next day, it's like a beautiful <laughs> spring day. So strange, strange right. time. That would be perfect. <laughs> and yeah. we don't have a curfew. Uh, we probably should. I mean, this is the Wild West still, and it's just like, you know, it's like crazy. There's no curfew. There's no, no rules. No nothing. Meanwhile, I think it's not. <laughs> yeah, no leadership. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I I think uh, my favorite uh, thing I had learned out of the uh, uh, I don't know if it was exactly Texas, but definitely over in Oklahoma, they have a uh, uh, an old law that is still apparently in effect that after eight p.m., if someone steps onto your lawn, you can shoot first and ask questions later. Oh yeah, that's here was, too. Yeah, you can you can <laughs> shoot. If somebody's on your property, you can shoot. I think. God, I feel bad for the mailman if he's ever running late. <laughs> uh, what a way to go. Full on, right? Full on black jacket. Um, I'm going to see if I can get this. To, if you can see that in the upper right-hand corner of the of the screen here. It might super be a little tiny. Uh, yeah, there he uh, is. Uh, is it super tiny? Yeah. yeah. It, it's the, so this is the gentleman, uh, of course, uh, during that whole uh, storming the, uh, uh, the state uh, with where he picked up the podium and of course walked away with it. And, uh, and again, I'm going to try the screen sharing thing. Cause I really like to set people to, to of course see this, uh, a little bit better if they can. Um, but, uh, let's see if I can uh, get it to, uh, here we go. I think I might be able to work now. Here we go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so let's just uh, minimize this here for a second. So a lesson learned for people. On the left, here he is carrying the podium out and, and clearly has been caught <laughs> because apparently in the crime of state, you decide to stop and wave at the camera. <laughs> so they get a full facial shot. Right. So uh, the, the, the beauty of this, of course, uh, is, again, one of our uh, lovely friends from uh, from Florida. <laughs> and the, the title the right and the uh, the title on that particular one was basically uh jailed in uh, penniless uh, a florida man photograph carrying the uh uh pelosi's uh, lectern uh, of course uh was caught and placed in county jail shortly after 9 p.m on friday uh where of course uh, a friend of a friend had recognized the picture and promptly turned him in uh, the uh, the man, of course, was uh, pictured carrying out uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, lecture during the riot on the U.S. Capitol, and he is now being held on three federal charges. Um, I don't know what to say. If you if you if you're going to do something illegal, don't be stupid enough to stare at the camera and wave. <laughs> I just so, I, I don't uh, know if it would be like a, a sad reality when he tells that that story in prison, or just like get cheered. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, I think the best part is if you see him smiling in the love photo and then the reality photo on the right, he's oh, not we smiling anymore. <laughs> post, post the comment. Post the comment there. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Nice. Yeah, it totally decides to uh, shave before, and uh, that's the best way to loot. I mean, don't shave your hair, but shave the beard off, because, I mean, you're a completely different person, right? I mean, I'm a completely different person when I shave my beard off, uh, but uh, it doesn't always work for everybody. <laughs> don't they have, um, they have like, a, a lot of newspapers have these Darwin Awards, 
or they are always posting like the dumbest crimes imaginable. So they're they're going to yes. be they have a, a lot of material. We, right. we, we uh, had a story one time out of Florida where literally a guy trained an attack squirrel and would would let it like would get it all high on crack and and train, trained it to attack people. True story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the meth squirrel, wasn't it? It was meth. Oh yeah, meth, meth. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I would um, I, you I, know, I, yeah. People call um the Senate like they call them now on Twitter. Senator Florida man and Governor Florida man. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, God bless Florida. I was talking to my American friend today and he's like, man, like with everything going on here so far, you know, the rest of the States really hates Florida, but like, I'm starting to think we're like the Florida of the world. So we had a good laugh over that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Right on. Well, uh, let's turn things over to, uh, to you, Kathy. And, uh, again, welcome, uh, for, to being, uh, welcome to the show. And, uh, thanks for taking some time to be on with us. Um, we have uh, a few things. And, and one of the first things I, I really wanted to, uh, to of course ask you as, as of course being one of the, uh, members of Go-Go's for quite some time and still, Kind of continuing, and uh, when it, back in the '80s, of course, uh, the Go Go's were named the first all-female rock band to hit number one on the Billboard uh, on the Billboard 200s back at that point with the debut album. How was everybody feeling at that time? Well, you know, a lot of people point to that as like some defining moment of success, and I enjoy telling them, like for me, the minute I joined the band. I, I'm 22 years old. I don't have a day job. My rent's paid, and I'm making 40 bucks a week playing with my best friends in clubs where everybody loves it. To me, I was successful from that moment on. And then, you know, a few months later, I'm in New York City making an album. So it was like, to me, that was the moment. That was, okay, it never gets better than this. You know, that's, I've arrived. This is it. And then it's like, oh, I'm going on tour. Oh, now I'm going on tour in Europe. Oh, now I'm going to Japan and Australia. So it was just kept like piling on so that when that happened, it was almost like just like I was in this space of like anything can happen. I mean, when we opened for the Rolling Stones, I was like, it, that was my favorite band, you know? And if you had asked me six years before that, like, or told me you're going to be in a band opening for the Rolling Stones. I, I wouldn't have believed it. So for me, it was just like this incredible, like anything could happen. Anything could happen. It was amazing. It was an amazing and, wonderful ride. And it just sounds like everything just was like a beautiful roller coaster where things just continue to pile upon itself. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, again, of course, being at that age, and uh, things working out for you that uh, I, I can only imagine how you kind of feel like you're on just cloud nine for, for years then at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hard work too. And, you know, from what I talk about in my book, which it was really important to me to kind of get the feelings across, not only of how wonderful it felt, but also the pressures. Uh, so I wanted my reader to number one, they didn't have to be a fan of the band 
or got even that interested in rock and roll or what it's like to be in a band, although most people are curious about that. But I really wanted them, to, my readers, to understand on a human level the feelings that we all kind of relate to as human beings. But it was like there was, I became very preoccupied with keeping it. This was the dream of a life. The dream, and it was to me, I represented my security, my family. It was like the family I'd always longed for, the, the sisters. When you read my book, you see that I'm raised by a single mom. I'm basically not raised, I'm basically feral. And uh, it represents family so much to me. And I became very preoccupied with keeping it, like making sure everybody's laughing. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I was like the clown. Uh, I was constantly coming up with pranks. Is somebody unhappy? How can I fix it? It was exhausting besides the schedule and the fun stuff, just that pressure on myself, like it's like I could control whether everybody was having a good time or not. It's just kind of that, I think it's an immature mindset where you think you have some kind of say about the outcome of things. <laughs> you get to I think it makes sense. No control or anything. And that's always a, like a rude awakening for all of us. Well, and you like, yeah. so it sounds like you were the person that really wanted to keep things going and everybody happy and together. And there's, I think in every group, there's always one, one person that's predominantly fills that role. Was there ever a point where, you know, you wish somebody would just take over that role for a little while and let you go with the flow a little bit? Or have you always been interested in being the, the one, the glue? Well, I did feel like the glue, but that's hindsight. In the time, in the moment, it wasn't like thinking about it. You know, it was more like just being kind of swept up. And it was kind of an unconscious fear of keeping what I found. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, we were we were having a good time and we were tired and it was like being in this insulated little club that there was five members. Like there was nobody that really understood what it was like to be us. And uh, on the one hand, that's very bonding, but it was mm -hmm. kind of like, um, it's like, it was like a circus or a wolf pack, you know? And as long as you're together, there's this kind of insularity, but it's also volatile and it, it really, I would imagine that being in a traveling circus wasn't that different. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so when, uh, kind of speaking about how things were, uh, you know, as a, um, you know, an all girl band back in the eighties, like how, how hard was that? Like, I mean, it's still a very tough time when uh, you know a lot, a lot of women were getting a lot of respect for what was deserved for the amount of work that was put in. Uh, surely, you ladies must have hit a lot of stumbling blocks along the way. Yeah, it was weird. Like we were when I joined the band, it was already a, a popular band. You know, I'd, I'd moved to LA to make it, and I had started a band that did pretty well, but we weren't kind of moving up as quick as I thought. And when I joined the Go-Go's, I thought this band's got everything, everything going for it. I loved the songs. I loved the, the chemistry that we had between us. But um, when we tried to get a record deal, every single record company would say, yeah, they have great songs and yeah, they're selling out the clubs, but we've never had, we've never heard of an all-female band being successful. So we got passed on. We ended up signing a, a small record deal uh, with an indie label, which wasn't real common in those days. One thing I like to point out is that 
our success in IRS records was actually one of the first times an indie band on a small label had that level of success too. Um, that kind of gets overlooked. But so there was, that was the first hurdle getting a record deal. And the next thing was we're driving across the country playing to sold out clubs, every city. I mean, it's one thing when you can sell out the club in your hometown, but when you just pull into Minneapolis or Detroit or Boston or Florida man state, um, wherever we went, we were, we were like selling out clubs. So that should tell radio that you're happening. But what we found was the radio programmers, they wanted to meet us. They wanted us to come up. They wanted us to wake up at dawn and come do their drive time show and, and do station IDs and do all the glad handing and all the work, but they wouldn't add our, our record. And it was only because of uh, MTV and these live shows that we kept doing that drove the sales up. And there gets to be a point where the sales are so um, uh, remarkable that the, they have no choice but to add you. People want to hear you on the radio. So that was the biggest. People always say, like, what was the hardest um, obstacles in terms of sexism? And that's what I noticed was the initial not getting a deal and then resistance from radio, even though we had great songs. I mean, it's 45 years later and these are still great songs. You know, this is yeah. the thing. It wasn't like it was good for that time. You know, these songs still sound good today. So it, it was really, it was, we wrote hits. We had hit songs, you know? Yeah, and, and still amazing because I and I was gonna ask you, like, how do you feel to still hear all these songs, uh, including one kind of that you wrote that is used in so many movies and big blockbusters today? Well, there's been times where having written vacation like saved my ass. Like last year, no, wait, was it yeah, it was uh, 2020. Our entire tour got canceled, my book tour got canceled, and I was like, just gonna like not have any money at all, but my song got placed in a film and it saved me. So this is like decades later. So there's times it saved me, but aside from the financial part, like just on another level, it's like, it never gets old. I mean, I'll be at the market, you know, buying my milk and eggs and I'll hear the Go-Go's come on and I ne it never gets old. I wanna go, hey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> it's amazing, and and not only just like to you know to hear it on on any films, but I mean twenty twenty. I mean you were you were of course the uh, featured vacation was featured featured on uh, uh, Spider Man Homecoming. So like huge picked yeah. up for yeah, yeah. So, bro. But it's like you know, it's it's such a I mean. I wrote that song, I was 19 years old. I wrote the lyrics on a, on a napkin on an airplane, flying home after a fling in Austin. It was from the heart, it was, it was a real thing. And it kind of just is a testament that sometimes when something is just pure and from the heart, that it can resonate with people, you know? I, I think um, I, I, it blows me away, it really. I mean, that, that's my one biggest song. I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like for people that have written like tons of hit songs. Yeah. I was going to ask years. you, um, you mentioned that um, previously, you know, before you took off with the Go-Go's um, you had, you had, you know, tried things out with a, with a different band that wasn't, you know, 
quite your, your cup of tea. So did you end up writing a lot during that period and, and took some of your stuff over and, and finally with the new band, you were able to kind of make it work or was everything like starting from scratch? I started writing songs. Like when I first picked up a guitar, it never occurred to me I could even be in a band. I was this little rock and roller. All the bands I loved were males. And it never, even though I'm like learning, like, you know, this land is your, I'm like learning the songs and then, and I'm liking all these rock and roll bands, but I'm, and I never put it together that I could be in a band until I went to England. My mom's English. I saw Susie Quattro on a TV show. I was uh, 14 years old and it just blew my mind. I'm like, Oh, I can do this too. And there just wasn't this, it turns out there were women starting bands in the sixties and, uh, there had been, a, but they weren't visible. We didn't have YouTube. I couldn't like go on YouTube and go, is there any other girls that play music? So it was just not visible. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing about the Go-Go success where we were visible. We were in people's living rooms, you know, even if you were 12 and couldn't go see us at the club, you'd see us on TV. So um, I'm getting off track. Wait, 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 wait. Um, I forgot the question. What was it? I guess oh, I get the sidebar. I was just I, I I did ask about um yeah, yeah, songs. So, picking yourself so, with it, yeah. See, I get I told you I get I just blather on. Oh, I do the same thing. <laughs> so I, when, I, when I first started playing, I wanted to be like the best guitar player in the world. In my book, you had to be, you know, Jimmy Page or Jeff Beck or Eric Clapton. That's how you made it. And then so I'm like practicing all the time. And then punk rock, you know, I'm the I'm like a young teenager and there's punk rock and I'm seeing like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. I'm like, hmm, maybe I can do this now. And maybe I don't have to play like um, like some virtuoso whiz to, to be in a band. And, and uh, that was another watershed moment. So I didn't really start working. So I was working on my playing and then I just want to be in a cool band. That's all I want, cool band. But when I moved to LA, I, I moved with my friend and she kind of, she had a fake ID. She could go to the nightclubs and I couldn't. So I was all mad at her and I was just like sit home in our dumpy horrible apartment while she'd be like, woohoo, LA, we're in the big city. And I'm like, mm. and so I um, started writing songs. I started writing because that's all I had. And it was in my book, I write, this was the moment that I think I really became a musician because I started integrating what was going on internally with my music and the first song I wrote was called can't stop can't stop the world uh, it wasn't the very first song I'd written but it was the first one where I was really writing for the reason of of uh putting my feelings to somewhere you know mm -hmm. and, uh, when I joined the Go-Go's I started out as a temporary replacement for their bass player and within a week I was not temporary and they said this is great we want you to stay. Would you would you join the band? And I said at that point, I would love to join, but I I want to be one of the songwriters. And they were like, absolutely. So they already had some great songs, but that song I wrote, Cast Up the World, ended up on the first album. And when we started the second album, I brought Vacation to the band and a few others I had written. And then, you know, by then I was also writing with the people in the Go Go's too. So. And it's been my, it's Amazing. been my therapy. It's been my, God, writing songs I can't even imagine. I mean, even my, my daughter will tell you, like, if she has a problem going on, I'm, I'll, I'll be like, go write a song. 
<laughs> the songs that you're happy are like so boring. It's like the miserable songs that are, are like the best ones. <laughs> now, yeah. I have yeah. to ask, um, what's your primary method of writing? So do you, do you write the music first and then the lyrics or vice versa? Well, it's like, it's like having my antenna are always out. Like I'm always like waiting or looking or receptive to being inspired. So it might be something somebody says, you know, I might go write a song about a boy with a junk. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it might be something somebody says, or it might be something I see or, or and, you know, on a billboard or sometimes it's cool. Like I'll hear a song and I'll, you know how you get the lyrics wrong and you'll realize that, that, oh, that's not what they're saying, but what I thought they were saying, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've actually, you know. Much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take your mistaken thing and make it something there. So yeah, and sometimes it's from music, and sometimes I'll write all the words and then just look at them and come up with ideas. I wrote a soundtrack to my book that was super cool and really fun, and uh, it's just, it can happen either way. And I, have, I also really love writing with people too. That's very cool. Yes. It's versatile. I'm like the other, I'm, I, I can only derive lyrics when I hear the music first. I can't I have a hard time writing without, I, I get a higher emotional response from the beat than I do from the lyrics at the start, which is, that's why I asked yeah. that question. It's always different for, for different people. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any one way. I mean, when I was doing the soundtrack, sometimes I just sat down and would go through, like, I have a, I have this software, Spectrosonics, and I would just go through it and pull beats out and start making, you know, making them so they weren't right out of the box. Mm -hmm. And then just all of a sudden I would just think of a phrase. So I've done it. I like writing that way, too, because that's new to me. That's a new way. Cool. cool. That's cool. Now, uh, speaking a bit of that history and, and joining the Go-Go's, uh, it's my understanding that bass, of course, was not your primary uh, instrument of choice. That, uh, of course, uh, they had asked you if you could play the bass, then you're just like, yep, and then went and learned the bass. <laughs> yeah. I learned the bass on like a, a three-day bender uh, where I was not partying. It was like It was like a tool. It was like, you know, somebody cramming for their finals or something. I was just like, I wanted to, I, I had to learn the entire set. I had to learn a new instrument. And, uh, you know, I'm, what you learn when you read my book is that I had to figure out very early on that it was my job to take care of myself. And that's kind of at the bottom of everything I do is like, I'm always kind of like figuring out, that, make, making sure I'm going to be okay. Because at my core, I feel like nobody's going to do it for me. You know, no one's going to, my parents wouldn't do it. My, you know, I don't look to anyone else. I look to myself. So when, um, when I was asked, you know, do you play bass? And I'm looking at a band and I'm going, this band's cool. They have great songs. I really like them. You know, they could have probably said, we need a, a, a cowbell player. And I would have been like, yeah. And, I mean, seriously, I just, I didn't care about moving from guitar to bass what i cared about was being in a really cool band you know i didn't want to be in a crummy band i didn't pick up the guitar and move to la to be in a, in a, a mediocre band that wasn't going to make it mm -hmm. 
that for, I mean, yeah. I, I sighed for like, and they're always like that. I mean, when I wrote my book, I thought I might have a, a, a bestseller. And that's just kind of, why not shoot for the top? I mean, it doesn't mean like you're that's a failure. There, but why not let no. yourself dream big, you know, dream huge. Because if even if, if you just get way there, it's still better than not trying or, or not, you know, I don't know. And that's a wonderful way of looking at it, you know, for everybody who, of course, is especially young or even just even in these tough times uh, with COVID and all these people locked down uh, and you feel like, you know, you, you just can't do anything or go anywhere. That's a wonderful way of thinking of it is is think big, go for the biggest reach you can. And even if you fall short, it's not a failure. It's you're still miles beyond where you were. And, yeah, and uh, you know, don't let don't let things get you down. Yeah, and you're falling short in the direction you want to be. That's the way I look at it, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's weird because it's kind of a, a kind of a mutant variation or manifestation of the way I was raised, where I had no rules, I had no boundaries, no consequences, and so I'm running around like a, a wild thing, uh, getting in a lot of trouble, getting in some pretty dark situations, which you would think would have kind of made you like made me like a victim or something, but it didn't. It kind of mutated and made me feel as I got older, like if there, if there's no rules, there's no rules. That means why can't I be the president? Why can't I be a scientist? Why not? So it was just this interesting thing. And I don't know why it is that, you know, some people have, they have like really adverse situations and people's responses. I'm not sure if that's your your nature or what makes you respond differently to, you know, because you, you just, you always hear stories about people that just said horrendous things happen and yet they prevailed. And then other yeah. people, yeah. they just can't, can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I you know, I've, I've come in contact with that a lot. Uh, in the last few years and, and people in those situations. And I sometimes feel that when you're in, when you're put into one of those situations and you really have to strive and, and you know, survive, because like you said, it's up to you to do it, that uh, more often than not, a lot of these people become a lot more successful in life. And it's because they truly realized they had themselves to count on, that they didn't have anybody to back them. And that in the end, that if they were going to continue living, they had to be the best and uh and so many people i think have, have benefited from it and uh, it's very unfortunate that you know people have to go through some very traumatic events to get there but um you know the, the flip side is there's many people who uh have had uh, a very comfortable life or their parents really helped them out and did things for them and they haven't really progressed or launched right like they're just kind of still oh, sedentary yeah. they're in their 40s and 50s and yeah uh, i think that know. that's huge part of my drive is I think at my core, I felt like, cause my, my dad wasn't, I wasn't in his life. We, we ended up with a relationship much later, like, like when I was 57, like much, much later, but I just, at my wow. core, I like I didn't matter to him. I felt like, and it made me always want to strive to prove to myself that I was, that I did matter. But one of the things I love about these talks and interviews is that I always, I guess it's like therapy, you know, you go to see a therapist and they just, they get you to talk and you have these insights. 
that's kind of like what happens to me with interviews a lot because just when I was saying that when I was saying like why some people I realized that even though I had those things with my mom not parenting me and stuff I did feel loved so that's a key thing like I think if you are going through this stuff where you're wild and all that stuff, if I if, if all that had happened and I didn't feel loved it'd be a whole different story you know to the yeah. best of her ability my mom loved me you know she just had her weird way of of uh, raising a kid which was like oh they'll figure it out she'll figure it out you know the police brought yeah. me home when I was like 12 years old because they found me passed out drunk and my mom's like oh I guess you learned your lesson <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> if my I daughter, I, I, my daughter home, I would have freaked out. You know, it's weird. <laughs> and meanwhile, you learned. Yeah, I learned my lesson. If I pass out somewhere, the police will bring me home. That's fantastic. <laughs> hey, you know, it's it's funny. It's I think it's some leftover monkey shit. To be honest, I mean, a thousand years ago, we basically had fight or flight to handle stress. So some people. Can can handle stress differently. I mean, those are the only two options for survival. So some people yeah. don't fight, right? When they want to get, when they want to, when they're faced with stress, anxiety, um, their their reaction is to turtle, right? Is to to not pursue that thing, and yeah. uh, it has its own you know strengths and weaknesses. But uh, you know, a few thousand years ago, which is a drop in the bucket in in compared to to our species. Um, those two things weren't really contributing to hopes and dreams and, and careers and things like that. We either needed to get our ass in and kill that or kill a dinosaur, but you know what I mean? Kill, 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 the, kill the animal or, or get the hell away because it was going to kill you. And I, I truly think that technology in our daily lives have not caught up to, to our, our, our evolution. Oh, it's so true. And it's so good to remember that. Like, I was kind of beating myself up because during COVID, I just feel like I'm not taking that good a care of myself. You know, I, you know, I'm not exercising the way I used to, and I, I, I eat worse. And and then I read this article; it made me feel so much better. It just said we have so much uh, stress because of the pandemic, and in our country, the politics and the division. There's and our brains aren't used to dealing with the amount of cortisol that is building up and everybody almost across the board is having trouble and in some way or some fashion you know uh their brains are, are struggling with it and i was like just that knowledge kind of made me understand i'm still having trouble reining it in but you know before all this i was like i had a really healthy good lifestyle and you know, I don't know what happened, but but that made sense to me. I'm like, okay, I, I can see that. And especially I'm the kind of person that I'm just like, everything's fine. You know, everything's fine. Like, you know, <laughs> All right, me, yeah. This is burning down around you. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, I'm like the <laughs> yeah, dog. Flames everywhere. I'm, I, that's me. And it's like, um, it, it took me a really long time to be able to, because I acquitted uh, being vulnerable or being worried or just with weakness. And to me, if you were weak, you were like the injured animal that would get, you know, eaten. So you know, I, yep. I just had to be like, 
feel like everything. So I still have to remind myself that, you know, it's okay to not be fine. You know, sometimes it's not fine. Sometimes it hurts and it's hard and, and it's okay to be gentle and ask for help and stuff. That took a long time for me to learn. Well, and it's tough too as a personality trait sometimes because you're perceived as being tougher, which is harder to form relationships because it's a bit of, you assume that person's going to be more combative, even though those people are usually softer on the inside. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, so. so true. I remember, I remember one time someone telling me, they said, oh, I, I can't believe, I was always so intimidated by you. You're so intimidating. And I remember it was just like this weird realization. Like, and I felt, because I, I thought I'm not, that's not who I am. But unconsciously, that's what I was always projecting. And just this bravado. And, um, you know, I talk about that a lot in the book too. It's like with the band, I mean, I just couldn't ever face that things were falling apart. I mean, uh, we had members that were, you know, going through all kinds of stuff. And if it threatened the band, I would just like, you know, <laughs> and we have the Go-Go's have a documentary and there's this one part where they tell everybody in the band tells me that, that one of our members has got a, a heroin problem. And uh, I go knock on her door at the hotel and I go, they say, they say you, that you have a heroin problem. And she goes, no, I'm fine. I go, oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like okay good everything's fine everything is fine you <laughs> don't have a problem because <sighs> i still remember that really well wow now i of course had a few other questions uh but one of the ones that now that you have brought it up uh as being a bit of a practical joker uh what what would you find as your your crowning achievement of, of jokes that you have played over these years Oh my God, I was such the prankster. I wrote this story in uh, in the book. It's one of my favorite stories, but we were doing our third album in England with this guy, Martin Russian, and he produced a, don't you want me, baby? So he yes. had a huge hit, and we're there, and he turns out to be this wonderful, funny English man. So me being a prankster, I we're, we're breaking for lunch and he smoked. So I put a, one of these harmless cigarette loads in his cigarette. When we go off to dinner, we're kind of giggling, thinking about him lighting up and having explode. We come back from dinner and Martin's at the thing and he turns around and he has an eye patch on. And he goes, I don't know what happened. My, my cigarette blew up. Something flew in my eye. And I'll ne I still remember this whoosh of horror, this horror that I had hurt him. And he carried this through for the next 24 hours where, and I was just like, I mean, I was literally sick. I was sick. And he said he was going to the doctor and all this stuff. Anyway, the next day, finally, he rips the eye patch off, laughs, you know, he totally outpranked me. Um, I had sent him flowers groveling for So that was a pretty good one. But there's, some, I write a lot of them in my book. There's some really funny stories. That's amazing. When it blows back at you hard. <laughs> That's great. I actually, uh, sounds like I, I got a story. I just got to tell this real quick. It's quick, but uh, similar to having a joke blow up. Um, so I was working at a place and um, 
this was probably uh, probably about seven eight years ago and uh my boss was giving me a hard time because we had company vehicles and uh but they were all standard so and uh i i never learned how to drive standard i just never did never had to worry about it and uh so he was giving me a hard time uh you know about about how i didn't know how to drive stick uh, I, I i learned since but uh he's like oh what's the matter with you like you don't even know how to drive stick like didn't your dad teach you anything and i looked him like deadpan I'm like um i didn't know my dad and and he his face went just beat red like beat red right because he was so embarrassed and then i'm just like no, nah, I'm just fucking with you. He just didn't bother to teach me. <laughs> we had a good laugh about it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so little girl, my mom's boyfriend used to tell me these stories about, I, I think it was like the, the Rat Pack. Like somebody in that gang, they were always doing pranks on each other. Like I think one of them, like, you know, Dean Martin or somebody got like this brand new car and one of them like, took the car and had it crunched into a box and, and put it in the parking spot. Of course he bought, they could afford to buy him like a, a new one. But I would just be like amazed at the level of these pranks or like get somebody an engraved thing and then scratch their name out and engrave, or they give you the engraved thing and you, you scratch your name out and send it back to them with their name. Just, I used, used to love the whole idea of these like big giant pranks. Mine were always like cheap pranks. <laughs> Cigarette loads, like the lowest form of prank. I like those shock pens. Those are always good for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. you like, in yeah. my day, I was just like talking to you guys like you were my age and you totally aren't. But um, in my day, in the comic books, they always had like little ads for like these stupid pranks you could get. The whoopee cushions yep. and the, all that the stuff. Buzzer. <laughs> Hey, farts are still funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Kids love whoopee cushions. The moment you bring one into them, even to this day, my kids had a whoopee cushion and they thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I was just like, well, clearly that hasn't changed in 35 years. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, so uh, I, we have, honestly, there's, there's so many things we could ask you. Uh, I know we did uh, mention that we we're going to do some uh, quick questions. So uh, uh, we, you know what, we are going to still stick with it because I feel like uh, there's so many things that people don't know about you. And uh, Maddie, we're, we're going to go over to our, uh, our quick questions with Maddie G. And he's going to ask you a few things. You just have to give us the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, if you're not sure, you can just say pass. Okay. Let's do it. Rapid fire question. Question number one. What made up word would you register into the English language? Oh, I make up words all the time. Um, of course, I go blank. I make them up all the time. Um, <laughs> just look on text to my daughter. Uh, Doge cat. Oh, yeah? Doge cat. Yeah, I think <laughs> there should be a Doge cat. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the scariest dream that you can remember? I have had this recurring dream, thank God I haven't in a while, but where I killed somebody and I'm trying not for anyone to find out. And I'm racked with guilt and horror and fear. And it's just the worst thing ever. And it's, sometimes it's so real that I wake up and I feel like I've done something horrible. 
Oh, wow. Those are brutal. I've had those dreams where they feel just so real. You, you're left with like an aura for the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I'm glad I haven't had that one in a while. I hope I don't. I hope you didn't trigger it. Yeah, I hope I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, if you could pick a superpower, which would it be? Fly. Nice. Good one. It's mine. Yeah. Popular. It's popular. Yeah. Uh, your what's, your, what's your earliest childhood memory? Honestly, it's uh, like my mom dropping me off at um, nursery school and them saying we're closed today and she's driving off down the street. And I remember feeling this terror and running down the street, screaming like in hysterics that I had been dropped off and she was leaving and they were closed. That would be, ter that would be terrifying, actually. That's horrible. Wow. Um, yeah. What, what what activity makes you the happiest? Playing music. What foreign language would you most like to learn? Italian. Nice. Any particular reason? Because um, in my fantasy, I'm going to end up in some like villa in in Tuscany, uh, getting my my food down at the village and be able to speak to the locals. I like it. And love <laughs> yep. Italian when people like, I feel like I understand what they're saying just by so expressive. So yeah, it'll Italian. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, if you could, if you could relive a decade, which would you choose? When I've already lived or one in the past. Yep. When you already lived, which, which would you relive? The nineties. Yeah. Oh, no, they were great. Yeah, what am good. I talking about? Uh, the 2000s, from okay. 2000 to 2010. Nice. Okay. Good. Very cool. Um, what was the first movie that ever made you cry? Um, I think it was like, oh, that's a book. Or book. We'll take book. I cried in, in a... Old Yeller, the dog yeah. died. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know one? Yeah. Well, that was, but we that don't was hear awesome. that one that often, though, eh? <laughs> nope. No, we did, uh, we did for a while. I think there was a couple, and then there was. Yeah. yeah. I think that was. But uh, movie, I'm not sure. I, I go blank. When people ask me my favorite movie, I can never think of anything. So don't I have to pick that. just one. Mine's right. Minority Report. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Just because I'm a I'm a techie. Um, do you believe in aliens? In aliens? Mm hmm Yep. I I believe there's life out there. I don't know if I believe it that aliens have visited us. Cool. The, Not so much like the yeah. little green men, but definitely something yeah, out there. I believe it in the little men. Cool. Yeah. Okay. How would you spend a hundred million dollars right now? Oh my God. I would like wipe out poverty for sure. I would like just give everybody that's struggling a bunch and then I'd keep like 10 million for myself. The rest I'd give away. Oh, I, don't, I don't understand why people need more than a few million bucks. You know, yeah. you want to, to get old and be able you to try about these people that win the lottery and go broke like a year later. I'm like, how? how? Yeah. 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 So, with that much money, 
I mean, they, there's a number like what it would take to wipe out world hunger, and it's like surprisingly affordable. Wow. You have yeah, dollars. Oh, wow. It's crazy. You would think like one of those big tech billionaires would just be like here, you know. But yeah. I know yeah. Bill Gates does a lot of philanthropy. But. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how much you need. What you I know? love is what. What I love is a lot of the individuals nowadays who are coming up with things to help the homeless. Like I just read the other day how uh, there's a, a movement in, I think it's Waterloo in, in Canada, uh, where women are um, kind of like weaving plastic bags together, like crocheting plastic bags together into create ground mats for the homeless to, to keep them off the, the ground, keep them dry and stuff, which is fantastic. And they're just, they roll them up and they just walk around and they give them out. Uh, Good way to recycle the plastic too. Yeah, it's so great because yeah. of all the plastic too. That's that drives me crazy. All the plastic. Yeah. They found some type of worm, a plastic eating worm though, that they're they're trying to breed and test, and that's how they think they're going to solve the plastic problem. And a fungus too, I've heard, like some kind of plastic eating fungus. I'm like, what if it gets a taste for human flesh? Then we're really fine. Right? Like, that's my worry. My worry is that they come up with this this weird worm, and, and then they didn't foresee its its mutation or something, and then that's how the world goes to crap. <laughs> Oops. Umbrella yeah. virus. Yeah. Starts eating like, brick. Yeah. Not, not use that much plastic either. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, why not just stop buying those bottles? Oh, it's, well, do you, yeah. do you guys have, like, uh, can you guys still use, like, plastic straws down there in certain areas? I don't. I'm like a, I'm a fanatic. I, we have metal straws and I don't use, I don't buy, if I'm I can first and I won't buy a bottle of water, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to yeah. participate. Good. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. You gotta do that, you know? Hey, even if you cut your, your usage by say half, I mean, it's still a huge dent if everybody did it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, next question I got for you. What is your biggest pet peeve? What gets on your nerves? Oh man, I think uh, uh, bores, boring people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just monotone. Just that unawareness. Like when I'm talking to someone, and like all they have to do is like look away and like look bored for a minute, and I'm like, okay, I'm boring them. Just change subject. Like just have some awareness. You know, have some awareness. Like, I don't take it personally. I'm just like, oh, this is boring. You know, I'm going to change this. Well, I've, totally, I've totally faked being interested to be polite. I mean, that's a nice thing. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> should do that. So not yeah. with you, Kathy, but, but other people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Running yeah. my friend, like when, when one of us is boring each other to tears because we're long distance and we talk on the phone a lot. So we bore each other a lot. But like. One time he was telling me this story, and I said, after he finished, I said, it looks like I need to get my carpet cleaned. <laughs> and so that's become, like, that's become like a promise. Like when we're going to tell a boring story, we're going to say, you might want to check out your carpet. Well, um, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good, that's a good story. That's, that's really great. Funny. I'm going to use that. Um, <laughs> what, um, what was the last thing you did just for yourself? Just for me, wow! Yeah, I take a walk in nature, and and uh, I saw this big field or whatever, the grove of bamboo, 
And it reminded me of when I was a little girl, like for some reason, I just was really drawn to bamboo. It just seemed so cool and weird and there's nothing like it. So I saw this bamboo, this was yesterday, and I just stopped and I like held it. I like just wanted to hold it. And I just kept holding these different bamboos. There was no reason, but it just was just like, there was something about just me and nature and connecting with it and remembering that little memory of being a little girl and being so like enamored of something that was just growing because it was. Maybe you were a panda in another life. Yeah. And That's it was what just, I was just thinking. It was just, there's nothing like it. It's just weird stuff. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. As long as you didn't try to take a bite out of it. Yeah. We're all good. <laughs> but I thought about like, could I bring it home? No. Nah. Sometimes when I'm driving back through my hometown, I get that like nostalgic feeling where it triggers a memory and it, it almost brings like a, a feeling or an aura of where you were at that time. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. it's, memories are interesting like that. You can almost it, smell, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Smell or a taste. Yeah. 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 With childhood, they're always like, they're, they're really visceral, you know, cause there's, I think our feelings then are just, there's so much, you know, wonder and curiosity as well as you know fear and all that stuff but yeah, yeah. the real world hasn't broken us down yet <laughs> yeah. um oh what do you do when you can't fall asleep um i've started uh i have this app called calm and it has bedtime stories so i i listen to i have my favorite stories and i just put them on and they have some it's, great ones on there too. Some really famous folks. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, I think Matthew McConaughey does one. Yeah, he does. His is called Wonder, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I just for some reason I have not had trouble sleeping since I got that app. It's one of the best things I've bought in a long time. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Great. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. Um, what uh, what activity makes you totally lose track of time? Um, probably doing music or I also in, in, um, in the pandemic, I started teaching myself video editing because if I record something, I, I don't, I can't go play it, you know? So I've been learning how to make videos and man, I can sit down and just tweeze out on this video editing stuff. I mean, literally, I think I could have had a career doing this because Next thing I know, it's like the animals are freaking out because they're starving. <laughs> oh. That's great. <laughs> but um, that's cool. Is there any particular uh, program you're using to to get started on that? I I don't. I tried Final Cut Pro and I couldn't get on the le learning curve. And I tried uh, Premiere because I'm really good with Photoshop and I couldn't figure it out. And then just on some weird lark, I downloaded this free program called. Vinci Resolve. I think it's more of a of a PC program than a Mac program, but it works fine with my Mac. And uh, for some reason, it just all clicked. I could probably take what I've learned and move to another program now, but I just haven't bothered doing it. But yeah, it's called DaVinci Resolve. One, um, just because I'm in the tech industry, one that I recommend to people who are just getting started is actually called uh, Filmora. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just... Just food for thought. If you're if you're ready to move, kind of, it's 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 got two different modes: basic and advanced. So you can kind of go where you're comfortable. 
Yeah, and it's just crazy how you can just learn. I mean, everything I've learned, it's just like, it's by doing. I'll be doing it. I'm like, oh, I want this to do this. And I'll just let go, how do you do this? And it, there's a yeah, YouTube yeah. channel, you know? So I, everything I've created, I've like just figured out from finding tutorials. Nice. Like, nice. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Great. My daughter's All learning. Right. Guitar, and she never asked me to show her anything. Like, oh, wow. She lives with a, a musician and she's taught herself everything from YouTube. <laughs> I've forced my kids to let me teach them shit. They're like, Dad, I already like, I don't want to hear it. You're learning my way then. Like, I was helpful. Like, she couldn't get the bar chords. And I was like, Oh, you got to put your. You got to put your wrist forward, and that was she was like, "Oh my god!" And so because she was trying to do it with the wrist back. So, I totally think it's a kid yeah. thing. Like I'll say something, and they'll be like, "Dad, that doesn't make any sense." And then one of my kids' friends will say the exact same thing, but with like a dude on the end, and be like, "That makes so much sense." <laughs> so <laughs> you're well. Um, Throw <laughs> I want to get, I've almost done these questions here. So my personal favorite question, what is the best thing that you've ever eaten? Best thing I've ever eaten. I think profiteroles in France. What profiteroles, is that? It's a, it's a, so it's like a, a, a very light pastry with ice cream in it and hot chocolate sauce on top. Or the ice cream could be just regular cream. There's two ways to make it. I'm down. Cool. Yeah, that sounds I great. That for sure. It's insane. And the last question I have for you today, what is your favorite podcast that you've been on in the last 12 hours? Absolutely. This one. Yeah, the screen looks the upper corner logo. Yeah. <laughs> you would be surprised how often that happens. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Wonderful. Um, well, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day once again, uh, for being on the show. Uh, again, uh, do you want to tell our listeners how they can, uh, of course, find your book, All I Ever Wanted? Yes, you can find it hopefully at an indie bookstore and support somebody, a business that's struggling. But if they don't have it, that would be your first try. Uh, you can look online and find it from the usual behemoths and, uh, there's also an audio book that comes with the soundtrack and I, I narrate it and I've heard from many people that they love it. I'm not an audio book person myself, but I did it and here it's great. Um, so there's that. And I also have Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and a website and I'm, uh, I'm around. Find me. I like, I like meeting people, engaging. Well, uh, now speaking of that soundtrack before, of course, we let you go, I noticed uh, I was doing a little uh, poking around and uh, I saw that you were over the Christmas holidays with selling a copy of your book with the soundtrack and everything. Is that uh, open as an option for people who are looking to buy the book? Are people able to pick up the book and soundtrack and, and all that stuff? Or can they order it directly through you with a signed copy? Um, or? Yeah, the, the soundtrack is available um, online. You can... Go to Bandcamp is my favorite, but there's it's all the other usual places too, um, Apple Music and Spotify and all that. Uh, but Bandcamp's the most artist friendly, and uh, and then it's with the audiobook, and then there's not that many. There's a record store here in Austin that my friend runs named Antone's Records, and they have it, 
because it's really close by and I can just go here, sell some of these. But uh, I haven't like, I didn't do it to, I did it mainly just to like give out. I thought I was going to do my book tour, like give out. Oh, and I might be able to do my book tour in the fall. I found out because, um, so hopefully oh, I'll come. Yeah, uh, they're going to release my book in a paperback. So I'm okay. hoping that that uh, that will kind of bring back some of the, the loss. And I'll probably be a lot better at it now because, you know, I've practiced a bunch. I can do the songs live. And it's not just like uh, reading a book. I, I think I hate being read too. So I try to do events where I read a little bit, but mainly talk and tell the stories. I wrote the book, so I know the stories. And then play some music, and I just like I like telling stories, and I really like just kind of meeting people. I, I'm well, a if your tour takes you up, if your tour takes you up into the uh, the Canadian region, you have to make sure uh, you let us know because we would love to uh, to see and hear that at the same time. So that'd be so cool. I really um, like you both. It was like kind of hanging out with some friends, so that's the best kind. If you come up here and do that, I'll be in the crowd, yeah. being like. Whoa! <laughs> it's true <laughs> well uh again for any of our, our listeners of course uh, who are on the road uh or haven't uh, been able to chance to listen to this live uh interview i will make sure that uh, we will put a lovely photo of kathy up under our guest section of our website as well as all the contacts and uh some links on how you can get to her books and music so uh again kathy uh thank you very much for for joining us today it's been lovely having you and we'd love to circle back around and uh hopefully uh, get in touch with you again and have you back on the show. Um, maybe if we're lucky enough, we can catch you on your tour, uh, be it both your book tour or if the, uh, the reunion tour, of course, tries to go for uh, 2021. Okay, cool. And I, yeah, I, I intend to be around for a while doing a lot of things. So I hope our paths cross again too. Wonderful. Thank you. And uh, have a wonderful evening. Thanks. Bye. 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 So this is a good time for us to pitch our social media. You could get us on our website. Thefap.ca. On uh, Twitter. Is Thefap4. You can get us on Instagram. Is Thefap Podcast. Don't forget our Facebook. The Freaking Awesome Podcast. And uh, you can always reach out via email. Thefappodcast at gmail.com. I'm on the air. We on the air. We got this podcast. Ah, uh, uh, not again. Wicked sweet. <laughs>